can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. G'day folks, Peter here. Welcome back to Mondays Down Under on the Talking Pools podcast, where we give an Australian and New Zealand view of the pool industry. I'm flying solo today. Uh, Shane unfortunately isn't well. He's got a really sore throat and lost his voice. I went through that a few years ago and it wasn't a lot of fun. My wife lost her voice a few months ago and it was wonderful. Ah, the peace and quiet. Ah, the serenity, as we'd say here. Bit of a Bonnie Doon reference there. Anyway, Shane, wish you well. Hope you're doing okay. Hope you're surviving. Got to share a couple of crazy customer stories this week. One of them was a customer who, she she rang me. I'd, I'd never met her before, never spoken to her. And she's right into the whole organic foods and healthy lifestyle and things, no processing of anything, and a bit like that. I understand that to a point. But she told me she wants me to maintain her pool, but she only wants food-grade chemicals used. She doesn't want anything that we'd call industrial chemicals because they might have impurities. So I said, well, sodium bicarbonate, that you can get food grade, not cheap, but you can get it. Salt, pool salt you can get. And she said, oh, good, I want a saltwater pool because I don't like chlorine. I said, well, you realize it produces chlorine. And she said, oh, no, no, I was told it was chemical free. I said, look, somebody's been leading you down the garden path here. So explain how it all works. And I said, so. There might be a suitable calcium product, but acid is really going to be the the big problem because you don't get food-grade dry acid or hydrochloric or sulfuric acids. And she said, oh, you can use vinegar. And I, I said, what? And she said, oh, yeah, you can use vinegar easy enough. That'll be good. And, and I can imagine her trying to get me to, you know, giving me a bottle of apple cider vinegar to throw in the pool or something. I said, look, I have no idea of what the chemistry is involved with vinegar for for a swimming pool. It's not something we ever use. I used to use it years ago when I first started this business uh, for some of the outdoor cleaning and stain removal that I did in conjunction with the pool work. Uh, That was 95% acetic acid. To give you an idea, the white vinegar we buy for the kitchen or for cleaning at home is normally around 5%. Uh, So this stuff, if you spray it anywhere outside or even pour a decent amount, the entire yard smells like a fish and chip shop. It's it's pretty different, pretty out there. So that was a new one on me. Never been asked to stick to purely food-grade chemicals before. Uh, I didn't take that job on. I said, look, 
none of the standards through the industry that I've ever heard of allow for things like vinegar. If you're wanting a chlorine-free pool and you don't want an alternative sanitizer, unfortunately, I can't guarantee the safety of that water. So, yeah, uh, that's that's a pass for me. I actually got to be grumpy, so uh, I just ended up there. Another customer is one where <laughs> she was uh, she lives overseas. Her two sons of university age are living in the house. Uh, everything's too much for them to do. I did an inspection on this pool before she bought it. And then about 18 months later, she rang me and said, oh, the pool's dirty. You said it was all good. I said, yeah, 18 months ago, it was all good. What maintenance have you been doing? And she said, oh, nothing. So I thought, this is wonderful. Uh, <laughs> when we got there, it was half full of water. The water was black and it was full of frogs. Well, technically late stage tadpoles. Think of a body of a frog with a long tadpole tail still attached. And so we got a, a bucket load of those out, literally filled a bucket with these things and put them in a, a local swamp just a few a few moments up the street. Cleaned it all up. I explained previously, look, you're probably going to have some permanent staining. Sure enough, there was some significant staining. Had to replace her filter, chlorinator. Amazingly, her pump still worked. I got the pool all cleaned up and perfect. She then said, oh, you have to show my son. She was in, in town at the time. You have to show my son how to... Uh, what maintenance he needs to do. So it was a perfectly clean pool. The baskets were empty. It was, filter was clean. It was spotless. I showed him how to remove the skimmer basket in beautiful, clean, clear, sanitary water. She almost broke into tears when I put my hands under the water, saying, oh, my poor dear, I, I, there must be another way so he doesn't have to do this. And myself and the technician who was with me at the time, we looked at each other and thought, what on earth is going on here? Toughen up, dude. Just toughen the hell up. So his idea of pool maintenance was not to empty the basket regularly, as we told him, because there were a lot of deciduous trees around the area. He didn't bother scooping anything off the surface, so everything just sank. He never backwashed the filter. He was concerned that if he topped the pool up too much, he'd be wasting water. So he let it go down below the skimmer. I don't know how many pumps they've burnt out over the last couple of years. And they'd often call me when something goes wrong. And typically with that pool, it means it's gone really, really green. I found out that the reason it goes green so often is because they're concerned about their power bill so her son will just turn it off at the switch not have any circulation or filtration or chlorine production or cleaning with the auto cleaner nothing just absolutely nothing working and then they're surprised when it goes green now i've been telling her for a long time You've got to do this maintenance between times. Finally, she's decided to decommission the pool and have it removed. And I'm thinking, thank goodness. Probably a customer I should have gotten rid of quite some time ago. Uh, I tend to be very patient. 
but the end is in sight for this one, and I'm so glad because that pool is now just a train wreck compared to the beautiful thing it was a few years ago when I first inspected it. No, it's shocking. Thinking back, though, the way that I first got onto that customer, as I say, it was a pool inspection before she bought the property, and it was actually the building inspector and pest inspector, you know, the guy who checks for termite damage, things like that, as well as the structure of the house. He said to her, look, you've got a pool, you've got to make sure it's working, speak to Pete, get him to come out, do an inspection, write a report, and then at least you'll know if there's something that needs to be worked on. And the way I know this building inspector is through a referral networking group that I'm a part of. And I'd like to talk about this for a few minutes because I get a big percentage of my new customer base from this organization. Now, it's a global organization. Um, you know, I'm not promoting them by name or anything in this episode. Uh, there's 78 countries, I believe, almost 300,000 members globally, and we meet up in chapters, little groups. My group's got just over 20 people in it, and there's a big range of different industries in there. So there's pest control, building inspection, plumber and electrician are an important. There are a couple of important people in the group for me. We often spend time in people's homes. They'll see pools. I'll see electrical plumbing faults. If I need some electrical or gas work done on pool equipment, in Australia you need a special licence just to be able to work on any mains gas or anything mains voltage. So it's handy. If I've got a job, someone needs repairs, somebody needs a gas heater exchanged, I've got the people who I can call on close at hand. So we give each other a lot of business. But it also goes further than that. There's you know, my bookkeeper who handles my books. I met her through this this chapter, through this group. Uh, lawyers, there's a couple of those. Uh, one is my employment lawyer. He does employment contracts for staff. Uh, another one there does commercial law. So for any of uh, my customer contracts, uh, if I have to chase up someone who hasn't paid a bill, uh, they're, they're very good at writing a short, sharp letter that just tells people, right, pay up or we will sue you. And it carries a lot more weight coming on a lawyer's letterhead than on one of mine. Uh, so many people, some of whom you wouldn't expect. Uh, there's another group, and I met a beautician there one day. And I said, okay, what, what's the sort of referral you'd like? What's something I can do to help you in your business? that might be completely out there. And she said, I need synthetic hair extensions that hold color suitable for braiding. Now, I know nothing about that. But I was able to call a customer of mine who sells hair care products, ask her, and she said, well, even though I don't do it, this is the place to try. So I was able to give this beautician a referral somewhere she could go, try this place out, they might be able to help. Sure enough, they could. I was able to help her in that way. And she's reciprocated so many times with so many great customers. Now, I'm not talking, I think it's a waste of time going to these 
informal meetings where everyone gets there, boasts about how good they are and just hands a business card around to everyone. I have boxes of business cards from that type of meeting. Uh, I've never called the number. I've, I've never sent them an email. I probably never will. Uh, so if you're looking to get more customer base in, I really, really encourage you to look up referral network in your area. biggest challenge that we face, though, in Australia at the moment is a massive, massive employment shortage. Anyone who wants a job can find one. Simple as that. There are way more jobs across a wide range of industries. Pool industry is no exception. Uh, I was speaking with uh, the manager of a pool service, and they also have a pool store. And I was talking to him about the current situation, and he says, look, if you want a job, just come join us. We'll give you top pay. Just join us. I've had somebody else offer me the same thing. Uh, two of my technicians, the two I had on, they've moved up to the mines in the north of the state, and they, the mines are just ripping staff away from the metropolitan areas. Uh, I was speaking with Shane the other day. The Western Australian mines are actually advertising in not only the rest of Australia, but in New Zealand to try to get staff working there. Uh, be interested to find out if they're advertising in your part of the world as well. Uh, I was at a pool store recently and they had a sign out the front saying, uh, you know, staff wanted. They were basically saying, look, casual hours, must be able to drive, we'll teach you, would suit a uni university student on holiday. Dare say, probably not the one I mentioned earlier who was scared of sticking his hand into a skimmer box that was clean. Probably not a suitable job for him. But that's the extent of it at the moment. The big challenge is trying to find new staff against the massively high pay that the mines offer. So that's something of a challenge that's been going on for a few years now. Uh, since COVID, our industry has really picked up. Uh, that's that's created a real boom, not only in pool manufacturing and fiberglass pool installations, but also in the service industry. Uh, last year, the Commonwealth Bank in Australia uh, stated that last year there was a 22% increase in the number of people interested in getting a pool. So that's an industry having to serve a quarter more than the previous year. So that's where it becomes a challenge. Unfortunately, as I've said before, it does lead to a lot of people thinking it's a good, easy way to make a quick dollar, uh, untrained people getting into the industry. The problem with that is so often they do such a shonky job that 
were then further required to go out there and fix the problems that these other clowns made. So a little bit of the uh, industry at the moment. And one thing that I have never seen before that I'm working on right now is a very different type of pool. It's a fiberglass pool, which is my background. It's above ground for the most part. It's custom-made one-off. It has an infinity edge. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever seen a fiberglass pool above ground with an infinity edge. Just not something I've seen here. So I'm working out all of the equipment and flow requirements for it. Uh, lighting is going to be a challenge. Given the thickness of the walls, uh, they're about 20 centimetres. That's about 10 uh, about eight inches, uh, foam filled, and there's eight lights specified by the designer. So they're going to have to be dimmable, seeing it's such a small pool, otherwise you would see this thing lit up from space. The size of that wall cavity, though, that presents an interesting challenge because they can't be surface-mounted lights. They have to be niche lights, uh, and they must fit in there comfortably with room for the cable to go through. So that means a sweep elbow on some electrical conduit to run the cable. And the depth is just proving to be a bit of an interesting challenge. Uh, and I do enjoy these things that are a little bit different. Ah, oh, I forgot to mention, it's being manufactured by a boat builder, uh, a very high-end luxury boat builder. Uh, we're talking their normal project is well up in the millions. Uh, but... Uh, I just hope I don't turn around at the end of this and go, Pete, why did you say yes to this one? So I'll keep you updated as things progress on that. Well, I'm off to another job. Who knows what I'm going to see there. Uh, this customer likes to call me out once, maybe twice a year, just to fix problems that he has. So uh, let's see what state this one's in. I'll keep you up to speed on that one. Again, Shane, all the very best. And to everyone listening, all the best to you too. Have a fantastic week. Buru. I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 